recession, lasting at least six months to a year, will probably hit the United States before 2020. And given the central role the country plays in the world economy, the slowdown will likely become global. Should it arrive, such a recession, coming hard on the heels of the anemic recovery, would strongly suggest that the current stagnation is secular, that is, indefinite rather than merely cyclical or temporary. So rather than moving past the crisis and into a period of normalization, the world might instead be only part of the way through an era defined by very slow growth and shaped by previously unthinkable and far-fetched policies to improve things, including an embrace of negative real interest rates in the long term. The good news is that a few bold, even radical policies could shield the global economy from the worst effects of the next downturn. The bad news is that it remains uncertain whether policymakers will use them aggressively enough when the time comes. A Troubled Recovery It isn't difficult to find evidence of just how weak and tentative the recovery has been. In the third quarter of 2015, the most recent period for which statistics are available, U.S. real GDP was around 13% lower than forecasts issued in 2007, including those made by the International Monetary Fund, predicted it would be. That amounts to a shortfall of $15 trillion. The situation is even worse in the Eurozone, where overall GDP grew by 16% less between 2007 and 2015 than the same forecasts predicted ranging from an eye-popping 21% less in Spain to a much lower but still significant 7% less in Germany. Meanwhile, inflation has also fallen below expectations in Japan, the United States, and the Eurozone, a sign that weak economic conditions are keeping demand low. And from 2007 to 2014, total global debt including public and private borrowing, increased by $57 trillion, according to the corporate consulting firm McKinsey, owing primarily to large government deficits. In advanced economies, the ratio of private debt to GDP has leveled off, but government debt continues to rise sharply, which would cause trouble if interest rates were ever to normalize since debt servicing costs would then soar. Employment statistics present a more mixed picture, because the post-crisis stagnation has come in two varieties, jobs poor and jobs rich. Southern Europe still suffers from mass unemployment. In contrast, many northern European countries are close to full employment, despite being at the zero lower bound. The same holds true in Japan. Similarly, U.S. unemployment has fallen by half over the past five years or so, to about 5%, an impressive improvement. But unemployment rates alone don't tell the whole story, especially in the United States. Consider that even as unemployment has plunged, U.S. GDP growth has averaged just 2% a year. What is more, The percentage of American adults participating in the labor force has fallen to its lowest point in nearly four decades, 
which suggests high levels of shadow unemployment. Large numbers of people who are unemployed and have stopped trying to find work, dropping out of the labor force altogether and thus no longer factoring into official unemployment statistics. That change is not merely the result of demographic shifts, such as baby boomers reaching retirement age. In fact, the proportion of Americans of prime working age, 25 to 54 years old, who are currently working, is significantly smaller than the proportion of Germans, Japanese, Swedish, and Swiss of that age who are now employed. This suggests that, although unemployment may be low, the U.S. labor force is nevertheless underutilized. Supply or Demand To figure out how to boost stagnant growth and employment rates, it's crucial to determine whether the